did a show with Quiet Riot a couple of years ago, and they had an opening group. I don't know who they were. I can't remember their name, but it was, I just remember thinking to myself, this isn't George Jones. Thanks for checking out Party Like a Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Joel Miller. Today's episode is brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an LA-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese spreads on the market today. They're delicious and healthy, made from a cashew and almond milk, and blended with various locally sourced fresh herbs, vegetables, and spices. There's no vegetable oils, soy, fillers, starches, or nutritional yeast. It's lactose-free, paleo, keto, kosher perev, and 100% vegan. Enjoy the show. What are you? Uh, I'm a highly paid carny. <laughs> highly paid carny. How are we doing, Taff? Good, sir. How are you doing, Joel? I'm well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. I wish you highly job, paid carny, huh, Doug? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> what does a carny make these days, anyway? <laughs> they well, canceled the Barnum and Bailey. Coca-Cola and all the peanuts you can eat. This doesn't sound like a bad gig right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> on that. All right, let us start here. So uh, my name is Joel, and you're listening to my podcast, Party Like a Rockstar. Today, I have on Taff Barrett. Taff has worked for Colin Ray and Diamond Rio. He's currently Aaron Tippin's production manager. Doug Larson is my second guest. He's worked for Guar, Diana Ross. And before landing himself on the Roots and Boots tour, he worked for Sammy Kershaw. He's also now working for Aaron Tippin. So how did you two meet one another? Well, there's not much. Don't to say do bad luck. Ones. Don't say bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug, I think we met on a Roots and Boots when I was with Colin, I believe. I think you're right about that. Uh, you know, as you know, it's a revolving door in our industry as far as know band members and crew uh, but I met Taft when he was working for Colin I was doing the roots and boots of which Colin is a part of that and we didn't use him as a sound guy on roots and boots I met him personally first which as most of us know 90% of it is the bus ride and how you hang absolutely his ability and everybody in Nashville has that so you have to have ability and then something else. So I got a hold of that something else out of tap first. I was going to say, am I afraid to know what the something else is? <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that rated PG? I don't know. Okay. No, that, that's uh, a totally different. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so no, how long? Every Sunday, always... gets off the bus, shaking his head in utter disbelief. And every Sunday he has the same line. He uses, God, I got to get a new circle of friends. At that <laughs> point, we know our job is complete for that run. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Doug is Doug is always trying to give me compliments. But the truth is that, you know, I've, I've as a player, a tour manager, production manager, Doug has to be the most organized tour manager that I've, I've ever worked with. It's a pleasure. We, we, we do have each other's backs, but, um, Every the little things that people don't realize, you know, you're always on a tight schedule from hotel rooms to eating to to what have you. And Doug has it down to a science. So 
he can compliment me all he wants, but I will tell you that he is a master at his job. What kind of food uh, are you guys eating? What's what's Doug serving up? Oh, well, this kind of Doug's mayonnaise pie. Mayonnaise <laughs> pie. Oh, wow. Roots and board, right. roots and boots tour. Here mayonnaise. I come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got my own mayonnaise farm in South Georgia. That's where I grow my mayonnaise plants. And uh, we pick them, make them in a pie. So how do you make mayonnaise for real? What do you, I, this is cool. <laughs> but what, what do you do? I go down to Deja Vu on the day shift. Never wait. Never mind. I better keep that a secret <laughs> recipe. And Joel, now you see why I have to find new friends. Yeah, man. I don't know. We'll have to put you on a rock and roll tour. They smell a lot worse, I think, than these than than your tours. But you know, <laughs> they keep quieter. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing in Nashville. A lot of the a lot of the crew guys I know from the rock and roll and pop world, and they're all here now because Nashville's a great place to live. It's been very good to me personally, and so everybody's kind of congregated here from whatever genre. But the level of wrongness has not been lost in transition. There are many things wrong with these people here, and God love them. There you go, Taffer. Are, are you in Nashville too? I am. Yes, I'm just south of town. Okay, but you're from where originally? I was born in New Orleans. I grew up in Gulfport, Mississippi. Oh, all right, all right. So, um, what got you? How did you guys get into the industry? What were your first gigs? How did you start climbing that ladder? Well, for yeah. me, it was a uh, long story made short it was a a year off I was going to take a year off before I went to medical school and uh which was allowed back then they actually encouraged it but it was more for travel and blow off some steam and what have you and I uh my next door neighbor happened to be at the time the son-in-law of Jeff Cook the guitarist for Alabama we were living in Mobile and so my summer off was to take a hobby and travel with a band and so I was just an acoustic player at the time well the band needed a bass player so you know how hard can it be which I would learn better <laughs> quickly and so that's how it started for me so a college band turned into a profession and took me what from Mobile your, uh, to North what Alabama what was your college band's name Blue Steel nice yeah yeah nice. it makes me want to grow a mustache <laughs> And do a whole whole thing here. It's pretty yeah. tough. Got to be long. Maybe yeah. guar. Maybe guarish. We were the pretty boys, though. Back then, you know that that was in the nineties. You had to be the pretty boys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say what the hell happened because it's just too easy. It's I know. Too I know. And it's I, fucking I, rude too. It's fucking rude. I left myself open. I get it. I get it. I, that, <laughs> that's all. This age, everything you see is due to Doug. So oh. you know, that's, that's thanks, Doug. <laughs> thanks, Doug. Let me put my pants back on. You can't lob that up there and not expect us just to smack it out of the ball. I thing. know. I, I'm a glutton for punishment. How about you, Doug? How do we get you into this mess? Oh, Lord knows. I wish I knew. Actually, I, I started uh, in the metal and punk world and singing and making noise and running sound for friends' bands, doing the things that that a lot of roadies do, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, and worked for beer and did many van tours for a long time because anything else in the world bores the shit out of me. Excuse my French. But it's boring to me. It doesn't hold my attention. So 
I stayed with it despite all the struggles and the ramen noodles. Uh, and then I flat got tired of working to incur bills. I thought I'd start paying some. So I started as a stagehand in my local arena in Florida, kind of learned how to do it and, and how the deal is done. Which, uh, which arena doing, were you? Uh, the Jacksonville Coliseum. Jacksonville. Oh, cool, man. And uh, so that was, you know, my first taste of how it works when I was a younger man. And uh, obviously it was pretty cool to me. And I wanted I, the guys running around with radios and laminates, boy, they got the chicks. I wanted that. So I did that because, and I did it not by shooting my mouth off, although I'm good at that. I just so punk, my punk bands off. could afford the radios. <laughs> well, I mean, we you know we're work tour type stuff and you know not the punk bands i dealt with early on the ones that formed how the way i formed my career early those yeah. were the guys working for beer and ramen noodles so um, which bigger, I, I love i love punk music which punk bands were you working with in the get-go uh stevie stiletto and the switchblades those are my my homeboys uh if you've never heard of them just look it up stevie stiletto who's uh passed on now was a brilliant artist and it was punk rock music, uh, but he told the story the way that, that it needed to be told and then gave me beer on top of it. So all was well. Beer helps. Uh, we, we ran around with Black Flag a lot and DK Love Black and all Flag. Cool stuff. Well, so did you ever we, do any uh, shows with Dave Ratt in the beginning? Uh, I, I knew him, but I didn't know him, if you understand what I mean. Knew about we got it Because Taft, I mean, the big surprise here is Taft has a tour set up. It's going to be a van tour with uh this punk band and it's going to be you and dave rat and he's all excited <laughs> to tell you about it oh, oh boy listen my wife is not impressed with me and she ain't letting me out to play with people like taff barrett i can tell you right now <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so how did you so you're working for the punk bands i'm assuming then you you did guar a little bit after that or was diana ross before guar or was diana ross playing uh, with well, Started as a, I ran as a local tech for them when they came through Jacksonville. And a few years later, we ran across paths again. I was really good with Visqueen, so I got myself a gig. I still have sound companies all over the country that hate my guts because of war. Uh, and just in the touring circles, you run across buddies who've worked for Artist A or Artist B or whatever. I don't like to do a lot of name dropping usually. Um, but through those connections, I, I was able to hook up on larger productions. The thing, though, with that was it was never for a very long time. It was either fill-in stuff or just a partial leg. Uh, when I moved to Nashville here, I've been with some of these cats, you know, for years. I'm sure we'll get to, but uh, it's a long-term deal now. Uh, I look, I'm looking for job security because my yeah. wife will beat me up if I don't stay active. <laughs> So the point being, though, is these Nashville artists I've spent much longer time with. Yeah. And as a tattooed punk rock get kind of guy, hell, they, they all still think I'm something out of a comic book. But <laughs> I can program the hell out of a light show that looks like it ought to be on Slayer, but it works well for country artists. So I've, I've been able to transition some things visually over to the country genre and to yeah. me really parts is parts i don't care what genre it is matt matters not do you treat me well 
And do I get pizza after the damn show? Those that's my criteria. Oh, you still like the pizza, huh? Everybody laughs. Oh, yeah. They're like, how could you not? How could you not like pizza? And I'm like, I've had so much fucking pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the trend is is to remove it from riders. And since I design our riders, I left it in there pretty much just to aggravate Taft, but also because I'm a fat bastard. So I didn't get that by accident. <laughs> Make it stop. Make it stop. I'm not going there. <laughs> I name it Roxanne. <laughs> so um all right so to jump in the roots and boots so how long have you been with uh how long with with sammy kershaw we're talking a long time right yeah 15 years with him wow did you vote for him for lieutenant governor louisiana <laughs> well if i lived there i probably would would have that of loyalty good good uh, <laughs> you no know, it's it's not it wasn't you know the enormo dome tours where you're gone on three months straight and you know the regular deal my criteria is this i raised two grandsons full-time they're very young yeah so when i'm on the road my champion wife has those two pirates on her own so the country kind of a happy medium for that you know i just about the time Lori's had enough of my act i go get on the bus but it's not for too long so as to further piss her off it's a very fine line i walk but it works well for those reasons for me personally yeah. Country tours is more weekend warrior stuff. The longest we're ever gone is three weeks or a month. Oh. So that's do- doable in my situation. Sure. Did you know that Sammy w- worked as Wal- at Walmart when he was a kid? I did. Yeah. In fact, he still tells the, the crowd that uh, almost every night. He used to re-wa- remodel Walmarts. And he tells the story of how he got his record deal from while he was doing that. Uh, so 15 years with him. And, uh, and we, uh, we, on this Roots and Boots tour, Sammy, Colin Ray, and the third artist is Aaron Tippin, my current main guy. So that's how I'm kind of able to juggle all three of these cats together. Cool. And that's how Aaron got me, kind of hired me away from Sammy. So are you, at- you're LDing for all three? Yeah, well, what I do, it's a little bit different. Um, for the Roots and Boots tour, not only am I Aaron's tour manager, but I'm also the production manager for everybody. And also the stage manager for everybody, which okay. makes me LD for everybody. You know, Nashville LD, lights and drums. And uh, <laughs> so what I do during the show is I sit at my my desk, which is a converted work box into a desk. I run the stage from there. And while I do that, I'm on headset calling all the lighting and spot to a board op out front, kind of rapid fire, standby, ready and go stuff. Um, and just after sound check, I sit down with the board op, give them a set list, and we make a few programming notes, stuff I'm going to need. And then I come back, and 10 times out of 10, these professional local LDs make us all look good, incorporating the looks that I need along with their vision for the show. And it's worked very well for eight years, and I take all of the guesswork out of it for board ops because I call everything. And then when we're not busy, I tell stripper jokes. So we have fun while we do it. Speaking of strippers, so Taff, <laughs> what are you doing during all these hours of the day, my friend? <laughs> uh, usually the local LD is sitting next to me. So what I'm doing is consoling him from the jokes that Doug says he's telling over the comms. So, um, you know, but I'm shocked and dismayed. <laughs> uh, I don't do many of the roots and boots uh, stuff. Sammy's, Sammy's crew and Doug pretty much take care of the whole nine yards. Um, so primarily with, with uh, Aaron, 
I'm on the, the, I call it the private stuff, but it's not private. It's just his stuff, the full band stuff and his own billing, I guess. Okay. So you're a little more focused, I guess, on the, on one act. So. Well, they, then, they uh, won't, they won't, they won't bring me on roots and boots. I, I, I guess they just don't like me. So. Well, he can't get within a thousand yards of any schools or churches. So we have to, well, that's beside the, that's there's beside a lot the of churches point. in the South, man. A lot of churches. <laughs> yep. That's right. I'll tell you one thing in all seriousness. Sure. Uh, I've been exposed to a lot of engineers over the years, as you can imagine. And Taft Barrett's probably in the top 70. I mean, the top two of <laughs> quality engineers. The guy's unbelievable. And he makes magic happen that I don't even understand sometimes. And so I'm, it's like my wife in a diamond. I must have that. So I have that. Cool. He's the best. That's why. You ever work with Maxie Williams, Taff? Or do you know who he is? I don't know. Okay. Sound guy. I don't know. He's from uh, Mississippi. So, okay. I figure you all know each other. I don't know. I guess. Audio inbred. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the common joke. You know, where are you from, Mississippi? Do you know so and so? Well, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I do. You know, so. <laughs> Actually, I do. Yeah. He's married to yeah. me. My- yeah, married to my first cousin, second removed. <laughs> so Aaron Tippin, I read here, he was a commercial pilot and a pipe fitter. Did you know yeah. that? I yep. did. He was he was welding when he got his record deal. That's tough, and, actually, uh, to do. He's uh, he's a man of many talents. He's probably the most self sustaining artist that I've ever worked with. As uh, if I get him a gym in every town we go to. In a, ho- a nice, comfortable hotel room, I I don't see him till meet and greet. I don't have to babysit. I don't have to ask for permission for every little detail. We just make it happen. And he's a very talented guy. Uh, he's he's has his own flight school here around Nashville. Oh, right on. Uh, oh yeah, he's a he's a commercial aviator. He's also an aviation mechanic. He's also a fighter pilot. I don't know. He's probably a freaking cowboy and a football player too as far as i know <laughs> keeps himself busy he, man he does this to pay for that frankly he'll tell you that himself he can't help himself when he sees a plane for sale it, it's a sickness with him god love him i talked to this guy uh he's out of texas and he has the largest f- fleet of planes uh outside uh a largest independent fleet of planes in the world the guy has hundreds and hundreds of planes Wow. And uh, yeah, he came from oil money, but he's got stuff that's like, you know, the, the first the first planes, the ones that were built right in the beginning, all the way to like the modern stuff. And a really interesting guy. He was uh, I was working. I, I do memorabilia and I was working at an auction house for the day and they were selling all the stuff from. Uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Howard Hughes's estate. So this guy was on the phone with me and they were, they were auctioning off Howard Hughes's father's desk. And the guy was, he's on the phone. He's like, motherfucker, who the hell's bidding against me? This is bullshit. All right. $75,000. I'm like, for a fucking desk. Are you sure, man? He goes, fuck that guy. God man, damn it. 90,000 goddamn dollars for a desk. <laughs> and it was really entertaining being on the phone with this guy. And then he goes, he goes, who's bidding against me? Is it my neighbor? I'll bet you it's my neighbor. And I'm not, I'm not allowed to say, but I'm looking like, it kind of fucking might be your neighbor. 
<laughs> it was an interesting call, man. He was a cool guy. I really liked him. It's uh, Kermit is his name, Kermit Weeks. And uh, wow. look up his website and his plane collection is just so cool to look at, man. I'd be shocked if Aaron wasn't familiar with him because there's nothing yeah. about aviation he doesn't know. Uh, he probably knows who he is. The guy's super active in the world. He's done <laughs> films. He, he like he has like the MASH helicopter or two. I, I, he's just wow. Yeah, he's a neat guy. He was really fun to talk to. I liked him. And that conversation was real. It was great. God damn it. And I'm like, 100 grand for a desk is completely insane, sir. You need to stop. So That is funny, man. That yeah, was funny. It was, it was, it was, yeah, the world of uh, collectors. I don't know. Um, did both of you guys get the opportunity to tour with Joe Diffie? I, uh, Doug more so than I did on the roots and boots, early roots and boots. But um, I did work with him on a on, on a number of those shows and then one uh, one or two independent shows. Joe was. Uh, yeah, I didn't I can't say that I knew him personally, but he was always extremely polite and professional to me and everybody that I, I saw him around. Yeah, that's just such yeah, a strange guy. 61 years old, man. Yeah, I miss Uncle Joe, man. He's. I love the man dearly, and even as a rock punk guy, whatever you want to call me, I sincerely still believe he was the best voice in oh, Nashville yeah. for generations. No the guy's the best pure singer that I'd heard anyway, and I at least know a little bit about talent, no matter what the genre, um, but he's a pure singer, and if you had Uncle Joe's Maker's Mark and the Food Network and the Golf Channel, all was freaking well. He was good to go, and he was the nicest man you could imagine, and I miss him dearly. Yeah, uh, it's hard. What great, what great songs. I mean, he just, oh, my Lord. That, that, he just defined an entire generation with his music. It was, uh, it was a great time, the 90s, you know, as far as being around stuff like that. It was just, and there were many of them, like I say, but there, you know, there's a handful that had what, what we call staying power. And boy, some of those songs were just incredible. I mean, just just rip you by the heart, and next next track would make you laugh. I mean, it was great. Yeah. Did you see his uh, daughter? Uh, she released a video. She was saying one of his daughters. She sang the song "Home." Acapella. <laughs> really great, huh? Man, it, you know, if even if you're a salty old road hard ass like I'm supposed to be, yeah, I don't know if it's the true. There. Yeah, I'm, I, that'll bring a tear to the eye. For sure, uh, it, was a, it was a really nice tribute to her dad. I thought so. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Um, what music did you guys listen to then growing up? Who were your uh, Who were your Who were the first records that you picked up and got excited to listen to again and again and again? So I, uh, as growing up, growing up, we had records in eight track. Is, is my generation. And then it turned into cassette tape. Now the beauty of a cassette tape was you could make mixtapes. Oh man. Call the DJ, try to catch it, record it. But for me, it was Merle Haggard. And the very next song would be back in black. Oh, all and over the place. I would just bounce back and forth until, until I found the Eagles, uh, restless heart exile, Alabama. And I found the harmony. And that's what I fell in love with was how are these guys doing that? And so from a very young age, I was copying everything they were doing, trying to figure out how are they doing this? And the next thing you know, I mean, Harmony's an 
interesting beast. If you work on it enough, all of a sudden you're doing it without thinking about it. And so after that, it became just, uh, it was a, uh, they called me the Harmony Nazi in every band that I was in. And I just, I fell in love with it. I, I would just assume, I would just assume have uh, every, every lyric covered with harmony, which obviously would become boring. But uh, so that was me. It was, it was everything I could get my hands on that had any type of beat, any type of sound, and then harmony. Oh, it's great. Do you remember you're sitting there by the machine and you're ready to push record for yep. your tape cassette and, and the, and the yes. damn DJ has got to be like, hey, we're listening to Back in Black. And it's like, we fucking know, man. Yeah, and then every now and then you get one and you're like, yes, yes, I've been wanting that, man. I got it, you know. Fucking the, it's the pretenders or something. I don't know. It's, it's like, oh, I see DC again. I already have that one. I already have that one. Yeah. <laughs> Many, many a Friday night, I sat sat on the edge of my bed with doing just that and getting mad at the DJ because he wouldn't play it immediately. So I was like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, you'd call in and request it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd call in and request it. I, I would sneak the phone into my, my room on a log cable and pray that my parents wouldn't wake up because I was supposed to be in bed three hours ago. And I would just, bu- and that was in the time where, you know, the, the DJs were in the radio stations 24-7. So, man, I would ring it and ring it and ring it. And finally, I'd get it. And if I got if I got one song a night, I felt great. And go Oh, yeah, that's it. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cruising. I remember I was a little kid and I called in and, and he picked up the phone and it was the DJ. He picks up the phone and he's like, what would you like to hear? Um, <laughs> I just didn't expect people phone. He goes, it's OK. You know, think of anybody. <laughs> yeah i couldn't think of it this my whole mind just went blank i couldn't think of a single musician anything to tell him to play in hindsight it would have been funny if it was like an easy listening station and i was like back in black (laughs) but uh i missed my golden opportunity as a a kid what about you doug were you listening to a lot of punk or did you just fall into that world um see all of the above what i was my first record was kiss alive one and that's got to be my favorite version of the song, Nothing to Lose, that I've ever heard. But beyond that, I was listening. I'll, I'll stick with the Bees. Bad Brains to Black Sabbath. That's what I listened to. And if it had keyboards or it was country, it sucked ass. And I didn't want anything to do with it. And it's funny, the business I've wound up in, <laughs> that very suck ass uh, industry has provided me with a very nice life. It's also expanded my musical horizons, whatever they may be. To me now, I'll listen to a good country song. To me, it's either good or bad. So I listen to stuff like Steely Dan now, and then I'll put on Slayer in five minutes. That's kind of how I am, all over the map. You are all over the map. I like. I used to like the the uh, the, the folk stuff a lot of a lot of the folk. So before we do these bands, so I wrote a song for Darius Rucker, or I co-wrote really? a song. Yeah, and uh, Darius. Wagon just, wheel. Oh, uh, this fucking Bob Dylan guy jumped in the mix on that shit. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. I'm the, I'm the if there's a D side, that would be me. I'm the actually I'd be the Z side. I think I'd be way down on the ladder. Hey, my, my last album went aluminum. It went <laughs> yeah, mine well, I looked platinum, it up actually so to see what is, what is platinum now that they have digital downloads. And I, I think there is a number. It's I don't know what it is. I can't remember, but it's got to be like 10 million or 100 million or yeah. something. Well, that's the 10. deceitful thing about the chart, uh, about artists going, 
oh, I've sold 50 million albums. No, you haven't. You have 50 million downloads, downloads. a single. And so the pure album statistic, I think, is long gone. It's unfortunate yeah. to me. because I Yeah, like I, I like albums. I liked opening, reading the, the, the notes and... You know, yeah, like why did you guys put the songs yeah. in this order and just suck getting sucked in? So yeah. everything was oh, yeah, the album. album. The album notes were I mean, that was the best part about going to the store and buying an album. You got to read the notes. And then as the years went on, they, they started not doing that anymore. And it was, you know, I loved reading that. And they had the, some of them had the lyrics and you could sing along. And it was uh, it was just a different time for sure. That was cool. Yeah, when I uh, with Darius, he ended up he did the song not because of Hootie and the Blowfish. It was because I was a big uh, Nancy Griffith fan, and okay. uh, he was like, "Oh, he's like so the guy works for uh, Guns and Roses, and he he loves Nancy Griffith." And uh, Darius was like, "All right, I'll let me send me the song," <laughs> and that was Nancy Griffith was my door opener. And so when I met him when we did the, when he sang the song, he sit down next to me and he goes, "So you like Nancy Griffith?" I'm like, "Oh no, sir, I." I love her, sir. She's one of the most, she's the goddamn princess. And he goes, she is, she's a fine lady. I'm like, yep, fucking ain't right. Darius Rucker. Talk shit about Nancy Griffith. <laughs> Everybody talks shit about Darius though. And I, and, and I'm guilty of making jokes or whatever. He's the nicest freaking guy. He's a quality. I've met person. him on a few occasions. He is so freaking nice. Not to mention talented. He didn't get yeah. where he is by sucking. No, I mean, we're speaking, you know, speaking of vocals, harmonizing. I mean, the, the guy is a, is a properly trained, amazing singer who, by the way, put his fucking time in, man. He did a lot of years, you know, doing making... parties in South Carolina. Yep. So he he deserves all the accolades that he he now receives. I think he's a class act. So I, I'm a I'm agreed. Him, agreed. I'm absolutely totally. agreed. Yeah. Speaking of people that are not class acts, I don't know who do we, who do we have? Guar Guar was not a class act. I don't know who do we put on our bad lad list. Um, Why? Whatever do you mean? <laughs> no, I, don't I should change the subject. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So, um, do you guys you guys have wind up some, you know, on some of your tours? I would assume it's kind of like a universal thing. I don't. I never did a country tour. Or don't know much about the country tours, but uh, I assume roadies fuck with each other. <laughs> oh. Well, oh, no, I we don't do that. We're pretty straightforward. Pass, yeah. What do you think? Uh huh. Yeah, and and I've got oceanfront property in Arizona. I'll sell you. Um. Yeah. It. Most of that I don't think we can talk about. But there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot that goes on. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell them about your shirt? That might explain a lot of it. Yeah. So they they uh, they wound up one of our uh, one of our members, our guitar player at the time. Um, got so tired of hearing me say I had to find new friends that he wound up buying me a t-shirt that said it. Um, but that's over stuff like they, you know, I, I'm one of these people. I think it was, I think it was just a way of saying, can you please change your shirt? <laughs> well, that, that, that could be, that could be possible. Um, but they all, you know, I'm one of these people. I've never met a man that I was intimidated by, but I will run from a mouse and I'll run from a snake in a heartbeat. And uh, so that's they've, they've show. had a way of, they've had a way of screwing with me with rubber snakes and, uh, and, and mice. And of course they capture it on video and everybody gets a ha ha ha. So I and freak so, out by snakes. I totally understand. What's the deal with mice though. What the hell is a mouse going to do? Because normally if you see a mouse, there's going to be a snake chasing it. <laughs> that really, it all goes back to the snake. <laughs> 
No, I don't know what I don't know what the deal is, but I just cannot stand mice. I can't stand snakes, and uh, so they 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 found out. I, I opened my mouth and let him let him in on that secret, and so that has become oh, that a perpetual stupid. joke. Yes, it was. <laughs> that yes, was. It was a lot of the juiciest pranks and stuff. In all honesty, we say for the band guys because they're so emotional; they must be dealt with <laughs> harshly. And you know whether it's putting clear packing tape across the keys of the keyboard or, you know, the old standard of baby powder on the floor, Tom, or hanging stuffed animals from the downstage truss and dropping them in on fishing string so that our little short artist has about six inches too short of reach. <laughs> There's all kinds of crazy stuff that I would much rather save for the artist and band because in the end, all we have is each other as crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you guys are uh, you you guys are going out soon? Have they set dates or? Yeah. Well, they generally we've had some dates on the books. A lot of them are obviously moved from last fall and earlier from the uh, pandemic time. They've been rescheduled for now. And this year, just like normally, uh, they add as we go. We generally wind up with it between 80 to 100 dates a year, which is pretty good, I think, at this point in my old ass life. Um, but we stay fairly busy. It's Here's the deal with these country artists. They're the real thing, man. It's not pop with a fiddle and all that popular stuff right now. These guys are the real deal. And with the passing of, you know, the George Joneses and those guys, this, this is the next class of elder statesmen in country music. Mm -hmm. And so by proxy of that, this is what the folks want, man. Our demo are grownups. They want to see the real deal. And I'm a realist, man, even as a rock guy. And I always say, you know, if you call yourself something, then God damn it, be that. Don't be a watered down derivative of it. Right. Whether it's right. country or punk or whatever it is. So we're fortunate to work with the real deal with these guys. Uh, it's a fun atmosphere every night, just about every night. And these package tours generally go for about a summer. We're on year eight with roots and boots Killer. and we're putting butts and seats everywhere we go, man. Or we were prior to the pandemic. So now we're hoping to pick up where we've left off. Uh, we have sporadic action now, but it's getting better. I'm confident it'll come back. People, uh, they've been sitting at home listening to the radio. So they're ready to go see some live music. Absolutely, man. They want stuff to do and no pretense to do it under. Yeah. Do you know if these guys have been writing new material while we've been laying low? Well, Aaron has always written his own songs. He's written all of his own hits, I think, for except for one hit that was done by a writer. But he does his own stuff. So that means his little factory mind has not stopped during this whole time. So he's constantly writing. Sam just built a studio in his backyard. So he's oh. been writing a bunch of stuff. And Colin is always doing something. I don't know. That guy, he's a busy beaver, man. He doesn't write as much of his own stuff, but he's always experimenting with what he's got and other and stuff he hasn't done yet. So all three of them have been really busy during the shutdown. Great. Yeah, I think I think Colin was working on a new album, if I'm not wrong. Um, I know he was working on a couple of new songs during all this. So Yeah, yeah, he's got some stuff coming out. A lot of people go, oh, I didn't know he was still around or I didn't know they were touring. Well, you're one of the few if you're a real fan of this genre, because we are out and about, and we are nationwide, in fact, worldwide even. So stuff's looking good, man. 
You're taking the country tours out of the country. Where's the kookiest place then you've played with Aaron Tippin? Uh, probably Japan and Okinawa. Really? Uh, those, yeah, we were there a couple of years ago. Aaron always has gone overseas to play for our troops in the desert everywhere. He's okay. the guy's a patriot. I'm telling you, man, he takes care of our boys over there. Um, but Japan was cool. And it started as gigs on you know, military bases for our, our troops. Sure. But these shows are also open to the Japanese public as well. And the ratio at most of those shows had to be three to one Japanese public to military guys. Do they have that many cowboy hats in Japan? You'd be there are cowboys in virtually every corner of the earth. I've seen wow. this firsthand. There are rednecks in the freaking Philippines if you want to find them. I didn't know they made I didn't know they made trucks in Japan. This is all like a whole new world. Be, you know, 1982 Datsuns, but they got trucks. Oh yeah. So there's hope. I would have thought, like, yeah, we're gonna plan a country tour throughout Japan. We're gonna do 10 dates, would be a joke. <laughs> Every show was sold out. Those folks love it over there. They love it in Europe. And of course, the Canadians, that goes without saying, they love it there. So we're all over the joint because there are country fans in virtually every corner of this kingdom. I guess it's job security for you guys. What's funny to me, my wife, what's (laughs) funny to me is in like Germany, they show up wearing, you know, cowboy hats. Okay. But then they have spurs on their boots, um, and a lot of them are wearing cap, a lot of them are wearing a lot of them are wearing cap pistols on their side. So man, they wow. come in urban cowboy in it, just uh, just right up, and they're feeling the part. Huh? In Germany, and yeah, it's truly yeah. a worldwide disease or uh, genre. So, what food did you guys eat in Japan? Because country guys, I figured you'd be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, here's the deal, man. Everybody thinks, well, they're here's a country tour. They eat two things, barbecue or fried chicken. Oh, and well, I yeah. Just no, you got grits. You got grits, but you put that it's shit grits. on everything. Yeah, it's it grits rock, man. I want to eat oatmeal, but grits rock. But I digress. It's uh, They think that's all we eat. So we're, that's what catering is nine times out of ten. In Japan... It was weird. Aaron and I were out. Nope. Uh-oh. We lost him at a great time. Though. Look at his face. <laughs> <laughs> He's just amazed by his own story. Look how excited he is. Hey, Doug. So that Maxie Williams guy I was talking about? Uh-huh. You really don't need to meet him. There's nothing you're missing. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, he's back. Okay. What do we got here, Doug? <laughs> So we came across a Burger King on this military post in Okinawa is where we were. Really? We're like, cool, man, a Whopper. Let's go get some American burgers in our gut. So we walked a mile to this place, and we get there, and I order a Whopper, and it tastes like hammered dog shit. It's not like a Whopper here. I don't know if it's the what they're feeding the cows there or what it is. It's a funky, weird flavor. And it's I called found that fresh. Flavor it's called fresh meat. Fresh meat. That's what it's called. Oh, well, yeah, it's I was going to say, why the beef? Well, I need, I need some good some good rotten shit, I guess, in my gut. So, Taff, seriously, what was it? it? What was it, like 100 yards? It wasn't no fucking mile. No, dude, you could see because this was a wide open base, <laughs> flat land in front of us, mountains all around us. And you can see that Burger King sign literally a mile away. And Aaron and I are going, fuck, can we make it? Let's make it. And we get there and it tasted like shit. 
Yeah, I was in New Zealand and it's K-Fry, K-Fry. Everything's K-Fry, which is Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they're everywhere. And it's like every really? other advertisement on the radio, too. I can eat some oh, KFC. that's funny. Yeah. I, mean, I drive the other direction on a, on a K-Fry around here. So. so there's a few locations throughout the country of Burger King that um, are not owned by the chain. And because they were built uh, and were in business before burger king uh trademarked the name they can't do anything about it so there's i don't know how many there are but there's several throughout the country where they can't put a burger king anywhere within like 20 miles from the building itself wow okay yeah but what's neat is the burger king enterprise has bought them when they can because of just killing off this problem so can you imagine those people who started that Burger King back in like 1940 or whatever? Now, like the property's worth way more than the burgers they could sell, but they're holding out. I, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but in my head, that's what I'm thinking. They'd be like, the Burger King people are calling again and be like, no, <laughs> Doug Larson's coming and he needs himself a, a Whopper. <laughs> what's the, uh, the three of us are in the wrong business, fellas. What What's the movie that reminds me of? Uh... Is it coming to America where you have McDowell's? Is that it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what it sounds you got to like. See the second one? No, uh, I heard it was pretty good, actually. So I got mixed reviews. I heard it was good. I heard it was crap. I still want to I, I love Eddie Murphy. I want to see it. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And there's like one line in there that's funny. I'm happy. I wouldn't even, I'd be happy. That's all right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, talk to me. I, I do have one question I like to ask some people. So uh, I was trying to put together a podcast and my uh, friend's daughter is in fifth grade and she had a couple of little friends over. And they said, if you should ask people, what, when was the first time they felt like they were a celebrity? And um, I think it's a great question because, or no, they said, when was the first time you felt famous? That was her question. And I like it because you don't have to be a celebrity to feel famous. You know, when was the time in your life where you kind of looked on and went like, yeah, I'm doing good here? Ah, uh, for me, it was, I don't know, late nineties, I guess we, uh, I was still in mobile uh, mid nineties, I guess I was in mobile and they had a street festival uh, called Bay Fest, and we wound up opening for Charlie Daniels. Oh, that's super neat. And right before, about 10 minutes before we were to take the stage, his tour manager came and got us and said, Charlie would like to see y'all in his trailer. And they had all the, you know, the, the backstage trailers and everything. And that's walking in there and, you know, just a genuine person. First time I'd really been around something, you know, like that. And uh, basically said a prayer with us and, and then a few choice words, which I won't repeat, and basically told us to go out and slay them. And, and that's, you know, walked on. And I want to say there was probably 15,000 in front of us, and uh, which would be the biggest crowd I had seen at that point in my career. And um, it was, I, it was magic. I, I hardly remember the show. I was, I was on such an adrenaline high. And uh, so I guess that would be the point. Of course, it's been all downhill since then. You know, I met Doug and, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> Why, whatever do you mean? Life's about ups and downs. Unfortunately, your downs have really been a long time lately. So, <laughs> so uh, what do you got, Doug? What would you say to this, this, little, this little girl in fifth grade? What would be your answer? Well, kind of on different levels. My, I guess the first initial time 
would be, believe it or not, not in front of 15,000. It's that was at a club called the Electric Banana in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where Stevie Stiletto and the Switchblades were opening up for Black Flag. And wow. just the fact I was with a band opening up for Black Flag, the Electric Banana, that was the freaking highlight of my early, young, dumb life. And then uh, later on, probably there's a there's a festival called Jamboree in the Hills. It's in Ohio. They have it every year still. And it's just a big festival. I mean, 50,000 people out there, whatever it is, usually. And once you're, you come to the point in the show where the artist is a band, uh, we're very blessed in that our artists introduce us as far as stage crew. This is my production manager. Da, 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 da. And they introduce them to the crowd. I introduced us to the crowd. Huh. So every name, they go, here's our bass player, John Smith. The whole crowd of them go, hi, John. They're like, oh, hi, yeah. me. Yeah. And they got to me, just dumb Doug backstage behind the scenes. And this is my production manager. And to hear 50,000 people go, hi, Doug. Cool, man. I mean, and beyond being cool, you're thinking, wow, 50,000 people know my name. Yeah, them. I agree with <laughs> I agree with that. So, and that was with which actor they introduced you on? I That he's talking about Hodag. Um, I, he's been there a lot, a lot more times than I have, so I'm not sure which one he's actually talking about. But it is, it is pretty cool to see that many people, you know, say your name at one time. It, that that is neat. I I, uh, I have to say that. And they introduce you guys every night, or just every now and then. Well, it's a, I think it's uh, a week. Isn't it a week long festival, Doug? Uh the the Jimmy in the Hills. Yeah. yeah, it's the typical Thursday through Sunday kind of thing. All right, neat man. Well, unless you guys have any other nasty things you want to say to one another, if you want to get it all out, we'll turn this into a psychiatric session. Uh, <laughs> well, we always tell Taft, sleep on your back or we will be sailor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I get it. I see it all, hear it all the time. He cut out. I totally didn't hear him. What did he say? Oh, their big line is, is uh, sleep on your back or one of us will. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Country so, tour, you know, here I come. <laughs> you know, no, it's uh it's a mile a minute. We everybody takes good care of each other. It's it's hard, as you well know. It, it's not easy and and uh yeah, I only did it for a few years, but uh I obviously have good memories of it all. I would sleep with my back against the bunk wall too. Fuck these guys, man. Better because we're gonna <laughs> fuck you too. Yeah, man. I'll sleep on the fucking I'll sleep the damn well I want. I don't give a shit. <laughs> are you guys getting middle bunks these the days <laughs> which which is the best bunk oh this middle bunk i'm too fat oh, and old to go up top or down low yeah the middle bunk you don't have to smell the shoes and you don't have to crawl in the top bunk so that that's the sought after bunk yeah Absolutely. and everything's negotiable taff well uh, you know i know <laughs> and when you know you know when you know you know when you know you know what's the uh what's the oddest opening band you guys have ever had for uh for a headlining act hmm. oh god hmm. uh, i know one that i was just a guest of my friends who were on the crew uh but i wasn't actually on the crew it was queens and suicidal tendencies yeah that's pretty different that was whack. 
far as our tour goes, we had a nine piece uh, African-American funk band open up and they were awesome, totally good guys and they kicked ass, but I don't know what it had to do with old country, but I was with it. I was down. We had, uh, it was a Godsmack and Stone Temple Pilots. I don't remember who else was on the bill, but they had the Blue Man Group open up. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of like, who the who the fuck pro who put this on the thing, man? <laughs> yeah, hey, I don't quite get that bill at all. At all. And then uh, the Turtles, man, the Turtles played with. I did Poison, and the Turtles played with all these hair guys, uh, which kind of made sense because that one guy had a hell of a lot of hair. So maybe that was how they booked it. But the Turtles were really good. I I really enjoyed that. So. I'd that- say did a show with Quiet Ride a couple of years ago, and they had an opening group. I don't know who they were. I can't remember their name, but it was – I just remember thinking to myself, this isn't George Jones. I mean, it was uh, – I never understood a word. That oh, was Doug, Doug worked for that band. Doug, what band is that? <laughs> Agnostic Front, I bet that's who it was. <laughs> All right, guys. I really do appreciate your time today. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for having us, man. This is a really neat podcast you have. And I'll tell you, Road Cruise, as you would know, but I'm telling everybody else, Road Cruise, appreciate it, man. We don't need a whole lot of recognition, but it's fun to talk about it. Joel, you didn't tell us we could drink. Let's do this again at drinking hours. We'll have a good time. I'm in, man. (laughs) I'm in. It's a little early, Taff. Well, I mean, it's five o'clock somewhere. Right? I was waiting for him to say it. it is a country song there, man. <laughs> Did that there it have is. to be brought? Did you have to bring that? This is I the first to... one I've done sober. <laughs> well, I think my questions were on point there. <laughs> well, I mean, ask Doug. You know, everybody has, you know, they want this and they want that and they want this. And my rider simply says beer. So, you know. God bless you. What I kind swear. of beer, though? What <laughs> kind of beer? I like my beer. Oh, you know, I got to make I'm, all these elaborate riders with, you know, different liquors and beers and shit. I, I drink root beer. I've had a, dr- a drop in almost 17 years. So I'm good. having all this killer shit that I can't have. The microbreweries are fun. They're real good. The thing is, is that a lot of them have a really high alcohol content. Yeah. I don't, don't want to get drunk anymore. I just want to have a beer with a buddy. And so yeah, it's hard because I'll have two of those. And then it'll be like, what are you talking about? I'll be like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even this shit's strong. So I don't, you know, no shots, nothing like that anymore. But going to the bar and having a beer with some random guy is really fun. I I really enjoy it. It is. Yeah, Yeah. cool. I'll tell you one. So I was gonna start changing, you know, I gotta get new material. All you guys, you know, sound guys a sound guy. So how many sound guy questions can you ask? So it was like bar stuff. So I was at the bar the other day and the guy says to me, Um, have you ever thought about it? But you should wear your socks inside out I'm like, what and he goes you should wear your socks inside out and i'm like that's so you don't have to change your socks and he's like no because there's a line where your toes are right and they hit your toes but if you wear the socks inside out i mean think about it it's more cushy and you don't have the line totally man i buy that and i'm kind of like you know it. that was i mean you put a lot of thought in this he's like no i've fucking been doing it for years i'm like, let me see your socks <laughs> So he picks up his pants and they're on regularly. I'm like, you're full of shit, man. <laughs> you're, you're a liar. And he goes, no, I mean, I just, what, your kid dressed you today and you don't remember? I'm like, what's this? What's going on? But um, he's like, no. So the truth is I buy really high-end socks now. 
so that there's no sole line in the front. And that's why I wear them like this. So I was like, all right, take you know, off your shoes. <laughs> take off your shoes. Let me see what I you got. I gave you audio, guys. Too much goddamn leeway and time during the afternoon. This <laughs> proves it. It could be, man. I could be. Anyway, I hope you enjoy your socks. <laughs> Think about it when you put your socks on tomorrow about the fell at the bar. <laughs> Joel, that that's that's gonna haunt me tonight. I just have to be honest with you. I I don't <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna need some beer before I, I I might have a six pack and realize that that I don't know. That's a good one. All right. Well, you write me you write me back. You let me know. I want to see if you're wearing your socks. You might start a trend down there in uh, Nashville. <laughs> oh, he's starting trends, all right. Starting trends. Yeah, yeah. In a Helen Keller kind of a way. <laughs> that's right. That that's how I mix too. You know, it's it sounds good in a Helen Keller kind of way. Doug's just just trying to show us how literate he is with all this worldly knowledge. Helen Keller there. She a singer, Doug? Was she a... uh, (laughs) You open up for Dolly Parton? I thought she did Wagon Wheel. Wagon Wheel. Do you know the history of that song? All I know is that if you play that song on Broadway here in Nashville, literally the musicians will fine you $100 if you request it. Oh, it's your free bird? Yeah, exactly. And free bird has a price too. So that, that song, right. that song was I, I, uh, didn't didn't Bob Dylan? Uh, he just wrote the hook for a movie, and then they filled it in after the fact. Is that the no? I so what? Maybe I'll look into it. So what I know it as is they just found it on some old session where he was just playing with some people, and um, they they turned it into a song. But it okay. was some just okay. like B side, throwaway, nothing. That they they I'd love to hear that version. You know that I'd love yeah. to hear that that one. So like with uh the godfather when they had uh marlon brando how he got the role was they, they didn't want him they didn't want to insure him and he's a pain in the ass and they didn't want to pay him um and he had just come off a movie where it kind of flopped so coppola wanted him and he got him he, he he's like well i need to i need to give you an audition because that was what they said. We need an audition. Otherwise, we ain't taking them. In other words, they tried to set it up where he wasn't going to do the damn movie and they wouldn't have to deal with them. So he says, OK, so uh, Coppola brought in a bunch of meats, like high end meats and stuff and went to go see him. And he started eating them and he turned around and he answered the phone. And when he when he was on the phone, he was the godfather. He had the cheeks out. He put the cotton in and did the whole thing. Well, I want to see the fucking audition tape. I mean, yeah, me would that be awesome? Yeah, yeah. So that would be awesome. It'd be awesome. So I was watching that kind of like, and now show us the goods, man. Show us the goods. No but kid. he gave him lunch meat for him to take the role and it worked. That's the part that's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys. Well, next time we'll be drunk. Maybe Doug won't, but Doug can make sure that we don't get too bad here. And uh, I look forward right, to talking to you guys. This, uh, you guys enjoy your weekend. Hey, it's the travel itinerary is not the book of lies. If you believe it. I don't know what that means. What does that mean, Taff? All I know is it's on the day sheet. You have to look at the day sheet. So that's that's the only way I can answer that. Yeah, I love that you're trying to spread literacy throughout the South, Doug. Thanks. Yeah, well, you know, I love band guys that ask me where the damn hotel is 50 times a day. It's on the trip sheet. I I used to write in Sharpie on my hand everywhere where i was at because i don't know i just couldn't remember my room number i still do it and i just remember everybody's like are you that fucking stupid and i'll be like well evidently yeah you i don't know why you got to tell me that all the time but yes (laughs) no dude you're right i do the same thing on the days i get to see the hotel 
but wow. I can't ever remember it. I always, I always, the only number I remember is my room from two days before. That, so that's about right. I walk in on Granny Johnson waxing her legs or something. And with that note, that is that is the grand finale. <laughs> All right, guys. Seriously, thanks for talking to me. It was fun. I enjoyed talking to both you guys. And uh, thank you, Joel. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for watching Party Like a Rockstar. If you're not already subscribed to the Facebook or YouTube channels, do it. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The handle is Party of Stars. Thanks for watching. You'll see you next time.